If you like what we're serving here at the Sci-Fi Diner, feel free to leave us a tip at patreon.com backslash sci-fi, spelled the right way. And by Audible. Get a free audiobook when you sign up today at audibletrial.com slash sci-fi diner. Take it away, boys. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening. I am Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm M. Sierra Garcia. Welcome back to a new year. This is 2018, and we are back after a brief hiatus over the Christmas break. It is so good to be with all of you folks tonight. Yes. I missed the diner. Oh, yes. I've missed you guys. Yeah. It's been very quiet. It has You're been. the family... You're the family I like to spend time with because you don't ask me to do stuff. That's right. <laughs> you know, over the holidays, you kind of <laughs> don't get to choose that. So. Well, there's always like the one family member that everyone kind of leans on to do stuff because they're the least encumbered. I'm not married. I don't have children. So clearly. You have unlimited time. Right. Like I don't have to, you know, nope. I have people to clean my home and to do my work and. <laughs> oh, you're one of I those people. It's crazy. Crazy. That, that is crazy. Your holiday, guys. My holiday was great. Um, I didn't get a lot of... I'm trying to think. Like, I got, like, Star Wars pajamas. So that was kind of cool. Uh, I got this... Uh, you can't see it, but I have this nice uh, Star Wars mug. The uh, Death Star. Oh, my God. It's the Death Star. Yeah. That's awesome. So that, cool. so that is kind of cool. Um and my son got the switch. That was like the big gift. It's more like a family slash his gift. And I got some gift cards and stuff. So not nothing huge. Um, how about you, Em? What did you get for the holidays? So I got um, a couple Lego sets. Mm-hmm. One is like the, the big heads or the whatever heads. Like this collector's edition that's Ray and Kylo. Okay. And then I got the um, BB-8 set to build my own BB-8. That is awesome. It's so cool. I love it. I love it. That's cool. And does does it does it like move or is it just uh, stationary? There's a little door that opens up. I haven't finished like really. I have to finish putting the head together. I'm and then I'll play with it and I'll tell you more. But it's really really cute. Um, what else did I get? Well, like. I guess my vision correction surgery, my mom was saying, I don't have anything for you under the tree. Um, you totally helped me have a vision. Yes. So I'm good forever. That's I don't right. Need <laughs> from you. That's very true. I can see everything in 4K now, mom. Everything is in friggin' 4K. That's right. Yeah. It's crazy. How about you, Miles? Um, my brother got me a Star Wars ugly sweater. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> And are you wearing it? It's actually pretty cool. (laughs) No, I'm not wearing it at the moment, but I did wear it uh, for Christmas Day. 
Uh, it was it was perfect for that day. Uh, it it it's kind of a, a scene from Empire Strikes Back, the, the the Battle of Hoth. So you have you know the Adat Walker and uh, Air Speeder going at it. So, uh, but it, in ugly ugly sweater style. So I did get a Star Trek uh, Discovery badge that, that I was hoping for. Wow, Ooh. cool. So I'll be, you know, definitely be bringing that with me to the con in, in a couple, few short months. Uh, I got some gift cards, so I, um, so I'll get some books for my, you know, continue reading. Um, other sci-fi gifts. Um, I got a Star Trek Discovery uh, T-shirt, but it kind of looks like the uniform. Mm. So I'll be, you know, definitely wearing that at the con. Um, I think that was pretty much it as far as sci-fi gifts go this year. Well, that's kind of cool, though. Mm-hmm. Um, that is cool. And that's, that's neat. You get to wear, like, outfits to the con, and I can't wait to see it. Just don't wear your ugly sweater. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll depend on the weather. If it's cold, I might need this sweater. You mean like it is right now, like negative 15 degrees? Yes. So. Like it usually is in the month of February. Yes. Nice. Yeah, well, very cool, very cool. And my understanding before we move into other stuff is that we got some news about Farpoint shortly. What's going on, Miles? Well, they just announced uh, two more guests, Uh, so I'm excited by this. For sure leave? For sure leave. Yeah, okay. And uh, we've we've talked to her uh, actually quite a few times on the diner. Um, uh, Miss Chase Masterson. That's right. um, Better known as playing Lita on D space nine. She's going to be a guest there and her, her stepson also the actor, her, her stepson character, uh, Aaron Eisenberg who played uh, nog. Uh, he's going to be there also. <laughs> That's nice. awesome. So it'll be a D space knock on. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's good. I'm excited. Hopefully we'll be able to, well, chase. I don't think we'll be a problem getting an interview. So I don't know how and uh, from what I understand, Aaron Eisenberg, he he's very, very fan friendly at, at the conventions. So, oh, good. Um, I think we'll probably be able to talk to him also. Well, that's he's that. done a lot of other stuff too, and like he's apparently super buff. Because I remember him from um, he was on um, Voyager. He was that race with the crazy hair and um, the Kazon. The Kazon. He was a Kazon, and he was a Kazon kid, and he had to do a killing so that he could be a Kazon man. And he was wicked buff in that. Yeah, he had to wear, you know, basically a muscle shirt that whole uh, show. So he was all pulled off. It was. It was like I just think of him as Nog, this little skinny kid, and and then all of a sudden he's in that show and he looks amazing. Yeah. What's What's really good. I mean, uh, I know he had some health problems with kidney issues, and mm-hmm. so I'm glad he's still with us. I, I think uh, uh, at one time that, that that was questionable. So I'm glad to – I guess he did oh, get wow. a kidney transplant, and, you know, he's still he's still, he's still around and kicking. Well, awesome. that, good for him because that stuff sometimes gets dicey, so it's always good to hear when that's successful. So Indeed. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, very cool, very cool, and uh, so we look forward to shore leave. Do we know the dates of shore leave right now? I don't have them right at my fingertips. Does anyone know? February seven, eight, nine. Uh, you mean? Uh, oh, for you, shore leave. You mean July, right? For sure. Oh, leave. shore leave. Sorry, I was thinking of Farpoint. Yeah. 
Sorry. No, that's fine. There's so many cool things that we do. So many cons. <laughs> yeah, it's in July sometime. I think it's the first weekend in July, maybe. Yeah, I'm bring up the site. It's uh, July 6th through the 8th. Awesome. Very cool. So we'll be keeping our eyes out. I'm sure they'll add a few more guests before we get there. So. Yeah, so they awesome. have five guests announced right now. Yeah, we aren't even. And this is the, uh, is it the 40th anniversary this year? Yeah. Oh, so it's going to be big. It'll be big. It's going to be huge. Yeah. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about what's going on in our sci-fi world here? And, uh, and why don't you get us started here? Why do you always call on me when I have food in my mouth? Well, you know, okay, Miles, why don't you go ahead and get us started? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to sneak in dinner in between yeah, conversations. To be, that, that's fine. Not a big deal. Because I'm a professional. You are a pro. Yeah. Well, uh, I've had with with the holidays. I've had some time kept caught up. Um, I did watch the Earth X uh, crossover series with Flash, Arrow, and uh, um, Legend Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl, and I enjoyed it immensely. It was quite good. So that was uh, that was that was a fun uh, crossover. Uh, Agents of Shield is back, so I'm watching that. Uh, somehow they've been. Um, 70 some years into a future into a very dystopian earth and uh a show i really liked that was on netflix last year uh that that's back uh is travelers um it's written and produced by some of the same people who did um the stargate uh franchise uh, but it's a netflix series the the premise is in a future earth dystopian um Situation. However, they have the technology to send um, people to the past or, or to the 21st century. People are just about ready to die, um, so they can have, so they have agents from the future shape, mold, manipulate whatever. So that the, the uh, catastrophes that that have happened in the future won't happen. Um, but uh, William McCormick, um, he's one of the one of the actors. People know him well from uh, Will and Grace, um, and and some of the actors you've seen him from other um, of our fine Canadian sci-fi shows. Um, yeah, I saw. Uh, Last I, watched, Jedi. I watched like the first uh, couple episodes of the first season, so I know, I did see it back on. I'm like, oh, I got to check this out again. So, so I really like this show. I've uh, I don't want to say I've been binge watching it, but um, I think I'm probably about halfway through. Oh wow, so you're binge watching. Okay. Um, I watched The Last Jedi again, and uh, there's a new Star Trek uh, novel. Um, there, there's an episode in Voyager where there's a starship Prometheus. It, it was able to, in its battle mode, uh, become three separate vehicles. And I guess somebody had the idea, well, let's, let's take the ship now and, and put a new crew on there. And so I just started reading that. That's what I'm reading right now. Well, very cool. Very cool. How about uh, you, Em? Um, Earth X was phenomenal compared to the last uh, crossover that they did with all four shows. This was this was really good. It was really well done. There, it was a lot of action. It wasn't too squishy until the end. Um, when everybody, um. I don't like when there's so much squishy stuff in my in my sci-fi. 
um, I gave uh, Artemis a much deeper read. I actually physically bought the physical book and read it um, and then listened to it again. And it's it needs to be a movie. Just it, it has it to does. be a movie. That's I agree with that. that. It was so good. I feel like the ending, like, well, with like every book, because I'm, I'm in the middle of Armada and I just finished doing Ready Player One as well. And everything seems to magically all fall into place. But then as I'm listening to the book, then nothing really falls. Everything gets screwed up from the very beginning. So I appreciate that, that he wrote, he <coughs> kind of like when Watney was like, this is great. I'm going to make it to Schiaparelli in no time. And then falls into the big giant crater. Right. Yeah. This was great. Like, hey, hey, we stopped them. Oh, no, we've poisoned and we're going to kill everybody. And the book's been out for a month. If you haven't read it by now, by yeah. the way, it's a spoiler. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't, it's not, it, it's, not, it's not all peaches for the hero either at the end. I mean, it's. Oh, no. So. She basically ends up in the same place. But with, I know. Like, it's like, well, I'm spinning my wheels here. <laughs> right. So. But I feel like there's a. I want to know more. Like, I was happy when Watney got, Watney's home. Yay. But yeah. now I want to hear more about how she handles the, um, this new, like, trade right. that she has. Like, she's pretty much has the only license to smuggle. Right. In the entire, after talking to, I think her name, Mbutu. Yeah. It was, I, I care and I want to know more, which yeah. I haven't felt that way in about, about a book in a long time. Yeah. Um. Runaways just watched the latest episode today and every episode finishes with me going, oh, man, because I have to wait another week. That one's really good. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it's jumping the shark. It just No comment. Yeah, it kind of did. We're in the future and it, the planet's broken and for some reason it still has atmosphere oh boy well you know they're just gonna pull a lost and you're gonna find out it's all been a dream <laughs> that's what's that's that is what happened in, in in the tv show dallas is that how lost ended uh yeah i think the last uh the final season was like supposedly a dream yeah I never got that show. I never. I watched the first three seasons, so I never finished it. That's what I heard. So all you Lost fans that are cringing out there because I totally got it wrong, email me so and set me straight. And yes, then, and um, your hate mail to Scott Herzog. Yes, yeah, Scott Herzog. <laughs> uh, you, you spell it Miles McLaughlin at Gmail. I'm just kidding. You can email him directly at Scott. I'm a giant tool Herzog <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, and then. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Westworld, and I'm looking forward to X-Files. Oh, I'm so excited X-Files is coming back. That's right. That is uh, tomorrow night. Can't Yee! wait. Exciting. Yeah, but I'll get it the next night because Hulu. Yeah, because Hulu. We'll have to wait. Yeah. Well, in my sci-fi world, what I am watching, well, I watched Last Jedi. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on the show here, so I won't talk about it here. I watched a anime called Blame that dealt with these cities that were kind of alive um, 
And at one time, humans controlled them, and the cities kind of went rogue because of a disease that had gone through and wiped out the gene they were using to kind of control them. And it was a quest to find this gene in a human being again. Hmm. That's kind of cool. It was, it was interesting. Um, I also reread Artemis, loved it the second time. Um, and I'm currently reading Rebels, uh, the uh, Star Wars book Rebels that ties a tie into tells the origin of Hera and Kanan. And um, so those of you that watch the Star Wars Rebels show is kind of the backstory to that show. So, yeah, it was really cool. It was. Um, yep. So I think that's it. I don't have anything else. Busy. Holidays are busy. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pause the show here, and we're going to bring David in. He's here. Okay. That work. Oh, what else did I finish watching that we talked? To, we haven't talked. Um. Oh, the guy on Netflix from Marvel, and he's mean. The Punisher. Oh, oh my god, the Punisher, Punisher was so good. I don't know, remember if we talked about it last time, but so good. Yeah. That's on my radar to watch sometime. Uh-oh. It's dark. It goes in a really creepy, ugly place. You're eating again oh, okay. while talking on the show. I know. <laughs> well, it is a di- or it is a diner. It is know? a diner, so I guess you should be eating as you talk in the show. But... I'm having a tuna melt. Come on, it's classic diner food. That is classic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but is it sci-fi diner food? Well, I'm maybe not if really it's spelled sure. S S Y F Y. The cheese is soy, <laughs> so. Only in the future would somebody make a tuna melt. back we have joining us for our last jedi review david molten welcome to the show hi guys great to be back yeah yeah he and when he says back it's been a while since he's been here but he's back on yeah yeah it's uh it's been it's well it's been a couple years i think maybe but uh yeah it's always a great time has it been that long i'm trying to think of the last (laughs) time last time i was on for anything and i feel like it was at a convention or something I blame the guys. I blame Scott, actually. It's Scott's fault. (laughs) It's always my fault. Completely Scott's fault. It's always my fault. A thousand percent. I'm like, Em and and Miles are like, bring Dave on. I'm like, oh, you mean we got to bring Dave on again? (laughs) Such a felicity. Scott already does another podcast with me, so it's. Uh, I'm like double Dave. I oh, can't handle it. Man. Or you're just keeping Dave all to yourself. You're being Dave selfish. That could I am. Be. Mine? Mine? That, Mine? That's Mine? probably Mine? More what it is. It is. <laughs> yeah. He wants you all to himself. And the reason he's on this time is because we're there seems to be a long break between episodes in this. In our other podcast that we do, we do what? What's the other podcast? Tell me a little bit about. Uh, it. Okay, so the other show we have, we do with uh, Jim Arrowwood, who some of you might be familiar with. He's a Sci-Fi Diner fan. 
I know he's active in your community. And um, we have a show called The Orbital Sword. And what that is is it's a sci-fi and fantasy book club. So roughly about every month we review a book. And one of the really fun parts is that our book selection is driven by you, the listeners. So we have a poll on our website, orbitalsword.com. And you can vote on what the next book is that we're going to be reading. And uh, whichever wins is what we go to. You can also submit uh, names of books for us to put on the poll for the next month. Usually there's four books on the poll every month. It's uh, We select, uh, each of us selects one from what people have suggested. And then if there was a, if we're in a series, it'll be the next book in the series. Or a new book is the fourth right. one. So <clears throat> uh, it's been a lot of fun. We've been doing it for little over a year? Yeah, I guess I think so. so. Yep. Um, it's an offshoot of a show that we were doing for three years called The, the Dune, Dune Saga, Saga Podcast, yeah. which was a book review show just for the Dune books. And uh, when we were done, we thought, let's just keep going. Let's explore. So we'll see. And, I, you know, we're noticing as we go along, we all have, like, like niches. Like, uh, Jim plays the lute. Right. right? <laughs> you had to bring that up. Right? <laughs> We're still figuring out what Scott's is. Maybe Miles and uh, M can help me with that. Oh, no. And I'm definitely the ranter. You are <laughs> so, the ranter. So. Well, wow. uh, so M, you, you'll appreciate this. The yeah. book that we're reading this month, it's not Artemis, but it is another book who you met the author for okay. on, on the Joko Cruise. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the oh, is it N.K. Jamison? Nope. Patrick, is it Pat Rothfuss? It is. I love Pat. He's awesome sauce. Yeah, yeah. So we're reading Name of the Wind. So nice. the first book in that series, which actually does have loots in it, according to Jim. According to Jim. I'll have you started you on the yet? cruise in like a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, that's right. Joko Cruise is coming up. Is he on it this year? Yep. Oh. And N.K. Jemison, who is an amazing, amazing sci-fi writer, female sci-fi writer. Oh, we need so that. I encourage you guys for your next book to do a little digging into her. Oh. All right. So does he do does he do like a panel there? Or Say anything? again. Does he do a panel there or anything? Roethlisberger. Like Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger. Rothfuss. Rothfuss. So there's a writing track where there'll be little meetings for everybody, for people who want to know about writing, and then he gets his own main stage where he reads something to us or he talks about stuff or he does a big Q and A and it's super fun. You mean you mean where he gets dog as to why he doesn't have the third book right. out? That's what I was going to. You know ask. what? That's the first thing I remember. <laughs> he said, "Don't ask me about the third book," and then he goes on. <laughs> I heard people. He's constantly touring and doing these cool shows, and they're like, "Why isn't he at home writing the book?" And shows. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you can't rush him. I mean, yes, we want the books, but not everybody is. Um, What's your face from Potter? Oh, oh. J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Not all of them. Not everyone is J.K. Rowling. Not every person has been thrown out of their house by their stupid husband and forced to live in poverty and then create an amazing story with your child and then have your ex-husband try and bilk you out of the money. But he gets zero because he was the jack, you know what, to throw her out of the house to begin with and leave her their family penniless. I thought that was a pretty no. common scenario i didn't really it, it, it is a very common trope in the writing <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. well tonight though we are here to talk about last jedi and um 
So uh, why don't we talk about, do you want to, uh, we can talk numbers here in a little bit, but let's talk first impressions of the movie. Okay. And, uh, and maybe we'll kind of start there and then we can kind of take it wherever we want. And uh, I'm not going to call an M because she's probably going to be eating something. So Miles. I finished eating. I'm just playing with my ukulele now. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> nice. But Miles, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us your uh, first impressions uh, what you thought the first? I know you saw it multiple times. What you thought the first time you saw it? Hold on, can I do something? Go ahead. It's been two weeks. Luke dies. <laughs> Luke dies in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Luke dies. Well, well he dies in Jedi death, but you know what I mean. Luke dies, and one hundred percent less Natalie Portman. No bad name moments. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Miles. <laughs> there were Padme moments. Yes. But anyways. There well, were. We will discuss those. Yeah. My, so my first thoughts of uh, The Last Jedi, um, what a very, what a, what a dark film. It just, where, it, it, it just, just from beginning to end, it, it, it doesn't leave us without hope, but the, the odds are really stacked against our, our, our heroes by the end. Um, just the the amount of loss in this movie um, as far as um, that the resistance uh, suffered. And I, I guess in some ways it kind of, I don't know if it, it's purposeful, but it, it, it does anyways, just... Empire Strikes Back. I mean, Empire Strikes Back was a very dark film. It put our heroes in really bad, tough places, and this one does the same. But I think, in, in some ways, it, um, it it it's it, it's even it it's even worse. Hmm. And I'm not saying, and, and I'm not saying as a criticism. I'm just saying that that's just my impressions. Yeah, your first I, I, impression of the movie. Yeah. You know, I, I enjoyed the film a lot, and I will be an apologist for the film. Um, but, uh, wow. I mean, unless, uh, um, yeah, just, just, uh, they, they left, left things in a dark place. Yeah. And how about you? First impressions of the uh, film after you saw it the first time, what were your initial thoughts? Um, it was phenomenal. Um, it was different. It was new. It was nostalgic. Um, it was, it made sense to me, most of it. Um, and then it was a little like heartbreaking because this is the last we'll ever see of, of general, uh, general Leia and what a phenomenal career that woman has had. So that was just, there was that plucking of the heartstrings moment and that for me, it, it was just satisfying. It was completely satisfying. And as as of today, I have seen it five times. <laughs> oh, nicely. Yeah. Nice. Gee, you must have hated it. Yeah, man. It was so I saw it with a for a work event too, and then some friends. Oh, do you want to come? Sure. Free ticket? Why not? Because Disney already <laughs> has plenty of my money. Um. I found it incredibly satisfying. Good. Um, Good. It gave me, it gave me the nostalgia of being 
I mean, it was 40 years ago that I saw Star Wars as a kid. <clears throat> and there were my there were my heroes right there, Luke and Leia. And when they had that first moment together, and the only moment together, spoilers, bitches. Sorry, no. you're gonna have to cut that part out. Spoilers, y'all. Um, they they have that moment together where they just said she just says Luke and he says Leia, and the whole like the last forty years like flashed before my eyes. All four movie, all three movies flashed before my eyes, um, like of the original uh, release ones and. It was good. There's some of it that I have a problem with, but the where they're taking this universe makes me very happy. And as long as they don't push it too far, um, I'm fine. And then taking taking the Jedi, you know, it's not the last Jedi. And taking taking the religion of the Jedi and understanding it and the description of how the power of the Jedi is not exclusive to the Jedi. Um, that it is something spiritual and functional. And it's, it's something about the faith that you have in it is within everyone and everything. So it's not exclusive to the Jedi. And that being a, a being a, a very, I should, how do I put this? Being a very nouveau Roman Catholic, um, that spoke volumes to me. Mm -hmm. The and in a lot of religions today, like yeah. letting people know that those those words that mean something, those books that mean something, they're they're not just for the people in the robes and the and the cassocks. It's for everyone. It's important yeah. to everyone, and it's within us all. Just the basic tenets of that, and I I, I that spoke to me in volumes, volumes. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like what you, I, like, I like that what you got out of it. It's not just for the uh, clergy; it's also for the you know the laity also. Yeah. As a kid, as a little, as a girl, I was never. I could never be a server. You had to be a boy. The only thing I could do was sing in the choir, and that was the only way that I could be part of the liturgy. And that always drove me nuts because those words were for me too. Right. He didn't write them. The well, whoever wrote them, they didn't mean it. They're, they're meant, JC meant that for everybody who wanted it. Right. It wasn't supposed to be just for the clergy. So it, it speaks to me like now how, I don't want to get political, right. but how now in many faiths, the doors are opening to everyone and everyone right. wanting to understand. And I love that. Right. And so that was a neat theme that I dug out of there. Yeah. You can be a Jedi too. Just like. You caught the little boy at the end, oh, right? Oh, my word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite moments. So good. Dave, how about you? And Initial then, thoughts. Well, the, the other you... thing I really enjoyed was um, I, I, someone emailed me telling me that I was a giant B word for even if I even thought of spoiling the movie. So on Facebook, I started posting fake spoilers. <laughs> and that was the most fun. Oh, that is awesome. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm done. No, that's fine. Go ahead, Dave. Tell us initial thoughts. Initial thoughts and not actual thoughts? Okay. Well, 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 I think we'll get into, like, uh, yeah. dialoguing uh, moments that we loved and that we found problematic. Because initial thoughts are are different from my final thoughts. Okay. Do you want to... Go ahead. Give us both. Yeah. Initial thoughts? Yeah. What a colossal letdown. Okay. This movie was. I walked out of opening night 
Did you curl up in a ball and cry? I wasn't. I didn't dislike it as much as it was. It didn't move me at all. It didn't get out me at all. It was. Wait, well, he has he has some final thoughts. We should let him get there. there. So there, all right. <laughs> I was watching it the first time. There were parts in the movie where I was literally bored, and I was like, "How much more of this is there? Is there, wow. is there really to this movie?" Um, and then I knew there had to be more because they hadn't gotten to the red, the white red planet yet. So it was kind of like, yeah. and all this talk about about them quote unquote subverting your expectations, and they just didn't take any risks. Like all the cool things that they could have done, they just didn't do, and it was just like it was such a letdown. Uh, so I left the theater thinking, man, this is probably the worst one I've ever seen. This is worse than the prequels. Like, at least the prequels, I feel something We're about done. them. We're done. You're off the show now. Like, I don't like the prequels in this movie. I literally walked out. I walked out of the theater wondering if I was going to see it again, because I, or if I was even going to see the next movie, because I didn't care about where any of the characters were or what happened next. I just was bored with the whole the whole thing. I'm not saying that there weren't parts of it that I liked, because people are like, well, did you like this? And you're like, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. But as a whole, like, it was just... A mess, and there are perfect. There are. I'm sure we'll get into it. There are reasons why it's such a mess, but and 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 I stand by the fact that it is very convoluted. However, after watching it a second time, I like it a little bit more. I was a little, you know, knowing that it's not good, I was easier on it, and it's now higher up on my list of movies. But I don't know. Coming off of Rogue One, which I thought was fantastic, and and probably my favorite Star Wars film, and this, I mean. Outside of the original trilogy, that is. This just seemed like such a letdown. And and knowing that coming on the heels of this is we have that that horrible mess of a Han Solo movie they're making. I mean... Are you kidding? I have high hopes for that. What? High hopes? Well, look, look, Ron Howard is directing the freaking... Ron Howard is directing it now after it was all, it was finished filming. He, went, he has had to reshoot almost the whole movie. Well, that's going to make it good. The main actor has had to have a coach on set, set with him the whole time to coach his acting because it's so bad. I mean, it's like a colossal just like explosion. I will, will eat my words. If, if that movie is good... I would be so happy and and so shocked. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, Glover is the is the best thing about it. Um, what's his name? Danny Glover mm-hmm. is the best is, is the best thing. Like when Emil Clark, she's she's great too. But but it's just like oh man, the guys that they had heading it up before sound like they were doing it all wrong. And now Ron Howard's in there. Hopefully he can fix it. But I mean, we saw what happened with Batman vs Superman when you bring in someone fantastic at the very last minute. You get okay. You don't get great. So. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to have J.J. Breck Wait, for the. For the Danny for Glover is in? Danny, Danny Glover. Childish Gimbio. He's in, who's he playing? Uh, Lando. Danny Glover is like. Not, from, not, not senior. There's a young, there's a young Glover. Not Donald Glover. Danny, Danny no, Glover. Danny Glover. It was born in 1946. You mean you? I think you have a switch. You mean Donald Glover? Do I have yeah, a switch? You have a switch. Okay, I have a switch. So Donald Glover. Donald yeah. Glover. Yeah. Okay, from, that's from, okay. From yes, community. Donald Glover is amazing. Yeah. But I was just trying to picture like Danny <laughs> Glover could could pull it off, but yeah. This is the. He's yeah, an older, younger version sure. of the character. <laughs> oh my. 
So sorry, sorry. No, that's fine. But after seeing it again, like there are so much more to it that I like. I didn't get bored the second time. I equate some of my distaste to the movie that I had accidentally picked up children's uh, 3D glasses, which eliminated my peripheral vision. So during the IMAX oh, fight funny. scenes, I, I had to like turn my head back and forth. I couldn't read the scroll because I had to go like back and forth to read the scroll. <laughs> so I, I give that a little bit of a knocks on the first one, but. Um, I tried to keep my expectations low, and they didn't even it didn't even reach up the first time. So initial, initially I didn't like it. Now I'm I'm more on board. I don't know if I'll, I need to see it again until it comes out on video. Because let's not pretend that I'm not going to buy it because I will. Right. right, right. <laughs> well, my initial impression. So I went and saw it um, over the week of Christmas break between Christmas and New Year's, and I went with my son, uh, which I absolutely love doing because he sees it in a whole different view than I as an adult. Uh, mm. see it uh, but initial impressions I liked it better than Force Awakens uh, I, th- I thought it was a uh, it was a great successor to that um, I will agree that I like Rogue One as it holds together better as a movie um, but as mm. far as I, I, I did I like this movie that's not to say that I don't have some issues with the movie but I liked where it went um you know, you now have a rebellion down and out in their luck. And you have an empire, for lack of a first order, that has lost their leader, so to say, and now has a baby in charge that just throws temper tantrums. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to it that I, uh, that I like, and it'll be interesting to see what they do to kind of write Leia out um, or if they do any CGI or whatever to have her in. Um, it'll just be interesting to see where we're at in two years. Yeah, I'd rather they're not going to do that. You are going to do it, so yeah. Inspector. Yep. So, yeah. They can't. Yeah. They, they can't CGI her. Yeah. So, though, I think I think what they'll have to do is they'll have to just, you know, it'll jump like 10 years and in the process somewhere along the line she's passed. Or, and here's a novel idea, she's just not I just around. I don't want to see that. I... She's just not around? Like, yeah. it just doesn't involve her. Yeah. <laughs> you know? They make references to her, like off yeah. screen or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk. Uh, what What do we like about the movie? Um, what didn't we like? We can take this any any direction here. Who wants to start us off? Visually, I think they, visually they did some really cool things that uh, we had we haven't seen uh, before. The opening scene is. The resistance is on that loading up their ships, and the one uh, female officer, she looks up at the sky and she sees ships coming out of hyperspace from 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 the perspective of being on the planet. So she's seeing them hyper hyperspace out, and she sees them in the sky. Uh, they couldn't do that, you know, when back in the '80s when when Star Wars first came out, it, or it wouldn't have looked quite as good as it did i thought it's a small thing but to me i thought that was very profound and kind of helps sets the tone that the you know the the first order is coming and um we're gonna you know the crap's gonna hit the fan um the the scene the the, the whole uh bombing sequence when that when the, those those poor bombers but uh but just seeing them try to uh you know take out that, that, that dreadnought. I thought that was just visually an impressive scene. Yeah, it was. Yeah. 
Carrie Fisher's daughter, oh, by the way. Oh, that was Carrie Fisher's daughter. Yeah, she's throughout the whole movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Carrie Fisher's daughter goes from being like two scene chick to, um, to uh, to a, like a a rebel who rebels even further. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mutineer. Bl- that's the bl- word. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, yeah, yeah, she's she's kind of one of uh, Poe Dameron's uh, in that inner circle. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, the, the the last scene where the um, uh, when the admiral takes the, uh, the the rebel cruiser after 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 she sees the rebel ships getting taken out, uh, you know, she makes the ultimate sacrifice and she hyperspaces right into Snoke's ship and. And it breaks it, you know, not quite in half, but you know, but breaks it, but breaks it up, you know, in two pieces. But just, just how it was done. I mean, y- you see the ship hyperspace, but it's, it's silent at first because it's silent space. But I think that kind of just made the scene even more. That doesn't poignant. stop him anywhere else in the movie, though. So, yeah. yeah. But but let me tell you, Miles, that scene, hands down, one of my favorite scenes in the movie. When she turns that ship around and hyperspaces through it, the sound, the black and white, the everything, the way that scene was done, I was like mesmerized. It was fantastic, fantastically when it, done. When it's dead silent, when it explodes. Oh, I know. Every time I've seen it, all five times, the theater is beyond, it's vacuum silent. If you can't even hear people breathe. Nobody even breathes. Did you hear about how AMC had to start putting notes up outside of the theater saying that there was this, there's a section where it goes silent to be ready for it because it, they were getting so many complaints. That the audio was that off? That the audio was off. <laughs> oh, people are dumb. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have three things to say about that. One, it was awesome. It was really cool. Three, it was awesome. Two, Two it, was it awesome. had it had no lasting effect, which seemed really weird. Like they were they were just like still ready to go down to the planet, whatever. And then the third one is the science didn't match up with what we know. It's this is like that annoyed me a lot. The science that moved. so we established that if they take off in if they go into light speed in orbit or inside something, it'll blow up. But they also can go through physical things when they do so. Yet she goes through all these ships when she takes off. So it was like they need to decide if they're gonna when they go into hyperspeed, they're jumping, they're jumping, uh, you know, phasing out through out of light so they don't hit stuff. Otherwise, they'd be hitting things like crazy. Or if it's like Dune and now they need navigators, where are the navigators? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I I did like that scene, Miles. I'm really glad you brought that one up. Oh, uh, there's one more scene I liked. Some we never saw in Star Wars. Um, uh, when Ray is going to leave the Millennium Falcon, we never saw the Millennium Falcon have like an extra vehicular craft or escape pods or whatever. And I assume this is an escape pod, but the you know, uh, jumping out of hyperspace and uh, the, the, this this craft uh, launching from the Falcon, we never saw that before. I thought that was pretty cool. That was cool. Yeah, that was, a, that was a cool scene. Um, Dave, how about you? Tell us uh, moments that were like favorite points for you. Um, uh, in addition to what he shared. Well, pretty much the best part, best scene in the entire movie is the milk scene. 
<laughs> so gross. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so That's perfect. That's why it got its nudity rating in New Zealand. <laughs> it's like because just of the, animal like, teats? I guess. When he, when he oh, drinks boy. it, just the look he gives her, it's like, it gets me every time. <laughs> I love Cranky Luke. I don't like. I know Luke. Huh? Yeah, I know people who who, yes. who don't like the film. Like that's like their big thing. And since I'm, I'm slightly negative towards it. I you know, but but like I love Kamajin Luke. Well, I think he's some, so great. There were some great moments. I mean, so we after Force Awakens, you end with like Ray handing the lightsaber. First scene with him, he looks at the lightsaber and just eh, nonchalantly tosses over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. And like then when like he begins training her. And it's like, reach out and feel the force. And he has that little weed yeah. he's doing with her finger. Fantastic. He's like, she, he asks where she's from. And, and he's and she's like, nowhere. He's like, everyone's from somewhere. She says, Jakku. And he's like, okay, yeah, that is kind of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just, there was just so, that, that, there was, I think Luke had some of my favorite, like, humorous moments because yeah. of that. I think I just love Luke in general. Like, yeah. Uh, I have issues. I like Luke in this. Yeah, I have I have issues with the whole like projecting himself. I liked that a lot, but at the same time, it was like machines could see him, which I don't know. But anyway, beyond that, just the way that he talks to Kylo Ren, and he's just like see you around, kid. Like, I, I I love Luke in this movie. I mean, he's not the the badass that I think we wanted to see, but in his own way, he still represents that. And I don't know if you guys realize, the only lightsabers to touch in the entire movie are um, in the past when he tries to kill Kylo. That's the only time lightsabers touch in this movie. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Did that bother you? Well, I mean, you kind of expect some lightsaber duels. Yeah, Yeah, but we got the Matrix in this one. That's true. Oh, boy. I mean, I love the I love the the fight the fight with Kylo and and Rey. I think that's a great. I mean, besides uh, Snoke dying too fast, but but I love that I love that fight scene. I thought that's really great, especially even with the like all, quick on and off where he puts it through the guy's head. I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah, so yeah, Luke Luke does it for me. I I, I agree. I like I like the the way Luke was handled. I was bothered at first the fact that we had a faithless Luke. Even though I understood why he was that way, I wanted him, because he was the epitome of, I guess, he was the one last remaining you know, Jedi, I wanted him to have faith. And he didn't have faith. And that yeah, but bothered me. he was me. so damaged. Well, yeah. He took on... And I know. I, he, I agree. He took on the sins of the hubris of the Jedi. Yeah. He took all of them on. Yeah. And look what he has to live with. I mean, uh, you know, his the 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 death and destruction that his father caused, and he tried to save his his nephew from that, and he he couldn't save his nephew from that. Uh, basically, he was right about the whole thing when he was explaining to Ray about uh, everything. He said it was a Jedi that created Darth Vader, Darth Vader, and. Um, so I, I got this jaded, broken Luke Skywalker. Uh, you know, he, he was an idealized version in, in the original three, but uh, in this one, you know, the idealism was, was stripped away, but sadly for good reason. Right. 
Well, you know, and I hear that, but Ben Kenobi trained Vader, and he he hibernated out of necessity, but he didn't lose his faith in the Force. You also have to look at the fact that Luke had, like, a couple months of training. It's true. And then everything else he learned from books. Yep. So it's not like as indoctrinated, doctrinated into the, <laughs> <laughs> into the ways of the force. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just like you know, like it's not like you grow up. If you grow up in a, a religion, like it's harder to get it out of you. Whereas if you just spent like a, a month in a monastery and then you're like, oh, I believe these things, and then you leave and like the world constantly bashes you against those belief systems. You spent a month learning on. I mean, it would be easy to become disenchanted with it. Yeah. Well, so he he learned yeah yes he he had a like a little time with Yoda, but then he had all that time with between now and um, Return of the Jedi, where he probably continued his studies and meditated and worked on things and right. You know, but so it's, it's, it's 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 different than having someone standing over you like bashing it into you. Right, right. He didn't have like right. the temple training and all the masters to kind of instruct him and so on. Yeah. So I hear that. I hear that. And that makes sense. To me. That makes sense to me. And, and again, I understand why Luke was. I was just hoping for a slightly different Luke. Um, but I, I'm you know, like Dave. I like curmudgeon Luke. Yeah, I like curmudgeon I like Luke. Oscar yeah. the Grouch Luke. Yeah. Well, you know, and <laughs> this brings up one thing with, uh, with uh, while we're on Luke. I liked Yoda doing what Luke could not. He couldn't let go of the past, the the books, the sacred past. And spoiler so, alert: they burn, they burn, they burn. but they no don't spoilers. because the books are they, on the Vulcan. That's the thing. Yoda's not moving on. He's manipulating Luke in that scene, and I love that yeah. he's back to manipulating Luke like he used to. So Even after the all Fal- these, the books are on the Falcon, and it's all play of yeah. words. Yeah, he, oh, yeah. John Boyega pulls out a dopest drawer, and they're all in the drawer. Oh. But Luke or Yoda's word playing Luke because Luke goes to get in and he stops him because I think if Luke had seen the books gone he wouldn't have gone he would have been disenchanted and not gone to do his thing and so Yoda stops him from getting in and destroys it for him but then he he has a line he says there's no there's no knowledge that was in the tree that she doesn't have with her because she's got the books she's got the books with her so yeah I I forgot that how great was it too that A Yoda was a practical puppet Awesome. Yeah, that was great. And B, when he couldn't light it on fire, Yoda cackles with the, with so much glee, and then boom with the lightning. Yeah. Like he just giggled like a schoolgirl. It was wonderful. Well, now, so this is my this is my struggle with Yoda. I loved Yoda, and I understood why they made Yoda the way he was, because um, this is the Yoda that Luke knew, but through Rebels. Clone Wars and all the prequels, I've gotten very used to a very commanding and Yoda that has a lot of surety about him. And not the bumbling sort of Yoda that we meet in the swamp, which is what we had here. And I understand why they did it, but I've been struggling to like reconcile that in myself. You are I don't sc- think he's bumbling in the swamp. I think he's putting on an act. Well, yeah, but that's this is what we have here, though. That's his manipulation. And he's doing again. it again in this one. Yeah, I, you watched Clone Wars, right? Yeah, I know. In Clone Wars, they show that part of his personality a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember like 
what it is, but over time, I know there's scenes where he, like, interacts with someone who doesn't know he's a Jedi, and he plays, like, aloof, and kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, I think you are. Mm-hmm. Oh, funny jokes I have, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so he does have that part of him, I get that, but it was just a bit odd. I liked him, I'm glad they brought him in. That is, a, your, your complaint is a common complaint, though, about Luke, or about Yoda, so. Yeah. That was a nice surprise. Yeah, I, it was. It was. A, it was definitely a good surprise. The other surprise again, I liked was the uh, Luke's X-wing sitting in the water there. Mm-hmm. That was kind of cool. What's a guy got to do to get some Qui-Gon Jinn in a movie? I mean, he was the first one to develop the like hologram ghost thing. Yeah, I mean, was he? He was. Yeah, in in Revenge of the Sith, Yoda says. I've made contact with Qui-Gon, and he has this new thing that I need to tell you to tell you about to Obi-Wan. It's in the outtakes. You never put it in the movie, too. They have an outtake with it. I, so. yeah, I, thought that, I thought he tells him. Like, if it, he does tell him, oh, okay, but yeah. there's actually visual in the oh, okay. yeah. outtakes of it. And it's in the books. But, but yeah, I know. Seriously, get Qui-Gon yeah. What's in. a guy got to do? Well, but, but again, Luke, Qui-Gon would be unfamiliar to Luke, whereas yeah. Qui-Gon's very familiar to Yoda. But he could show up in Ray. If they bring that Hayden Christensen jerk to be Darth Vader, <laughs> I'm, I'm lighting it on fire. <laughs> uh, oh, my. But that, just, that will ruin Star Wars for me forever. Just remember that you got your first explanation of midichlorians from Qui-Gon Jinn. My only explanation yeah. of midichlorians. Yes. Or as I like to call them, midi MacGuffins. Midi MacGuffins. <laughs> Well, you know, this this brings up a uh, a, a question I have for the panel. Em, you haven't shared your favorite moments. Do you have any moments to add before I go into my question? So it starts at the crawl. And, and it ends. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, you, the crawl happens, and then you see this epic scene with big ships, and I'm ready. I'm ready to be, like, you know, white-knuckling it through the next two and a half hours. And... There's Poe, you know, this is Commander Poe Dameron of the Republic. I have an urgent message for <laughs> General Hux. And Hux starts monologuing in the most epic, like, and I thought, oh, geez, Louise, are you kidding? And then it starts this kind of Joss Whedon moment where he's like, um, I'm kind of holding for Hux. This is, well, no, I, will, I guess I'll hold. Am I, can I, hello? Can you hear me? And that, have you seen, you know, <laughs> that was hilarious. About the, the skinny guy, pasty, blah, blah. And, <laughs> And Hux, who is basically an evil Weasley, he's one of the Weasley brothers from Harry Potter. Um, so in that little moment, it lightened me up a little to get ready for the darkness that was coming for the rest of the, the movie. <laughs> By the way, you that just said was... he, Hux is one of the Weasley brothers? <laughs> yeah, he's the one who um, ends up marrying Fleur de la Cour. Wow, I don't know that I knew that. by Luke, the, the dude who's a werewolf all the time. Look, there was another one that was actually evil, though. Percy. Percy. Percy was evil, but then came round because he was an idiot. <laughs> he was evil due to ego. Yeah. He was yeah. just a little pisher. God, that guy was annoying. Anyways, back to Hux. Um, so I liked that moment of... Um, just, I like that little moment. That was a fun moment. And then the fact that, like, one of the characters says, you know, um, I believe he's trolling you, sir. 
<laughs> Perfect. Okay, I'm ready to have a good time and have fun with this. Right. Um, I love. I'm with Dave. I loved Curmudgeon Luke. It was just wonderful. Um, the big, the scenes between Ray and Kylo when they were having their little moment where, can you see me? I can see you. Put your and shirt I on. Had, yeah. Oh, the, I didn't need the shirt off scene. Every baby like, needs naked There was no point time. for that, but ugh, <laughs> it's just weird. But that was very interesting. And the fact that they still did it after Snokes was gone and the their little relationship was really interesting. And I enjoyed that. Um, and then... Some like I, I'm trying to embrace Rose. Like, I like that she's um, kind of a Jiminy Cricket with a stun gun for Finn. <laughs> 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 and she's when she's like, "Oh, you're just trying to escape," and takes him down. Finn is not my favorite character in general. I don't like him. <laughs> I don't like. I don't care for for Boyega. I don't really think he's a. He was okay in Attack the Block. Um, he's okay. I just don't. I'm whelmed by him. Neither over nor under. I just. I'm, I could. I. I could live. Or, it doesn't really matter for me for him. So the little like adorable Rose who looks like she just jumped out of an anime comic book. Um, I could have lived without that. Uh, too too many Padme moments in that. She would get squishy, but then she got political, and then she got squishy, and then she got political, and then she got squishy again, and then she passed out. Yeah. The word that came to mind for her character was frumpy to me. Not, frumpy, I like that. Not in, the, not in her looks, but just her character was yeah. frumpy. Like, yeah, kinda yeah like, she was. She was. Yeah. She was not very deep. And the thing is, like, she's a good actress. She, like, I. I, she's uh, adorable on social media. She's a pretty lady, and they just put her in this like role where she just constantly looked like they never finished her makeup, and she just walked on set and mm -hmm. was like fangirling over what was happening. Yeah. And I don't know; they could have done a lot more with with her. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Um. Any other moments, M? Besides all. No, I could like. Kylo really needed like a nap. Yeah, he did. He did. So I have a, I, I have a couple moments before we talk about and start. For it. Yeah, before we start getting into some of the nitpicks about it, because there are those as well. Um, I loved the uh, the salt planet. I thought that the 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 way the the ships kind of relied on being like need to be touching the ground and it spurred the red and you saw that from overhead. Beautiful. Um, I love the in that same setting. I love the Millennium Falcon going through the Death Star. That was beautiful, um, and that was just a throwback, you know, because you expect that sort of thing to happen with the Millennium Falcon. It needs to fly through something in a movie somewhere. Um, and in in that same setting, I loved at the end when they're trapped in the cave and Ray, you know, does her force stuff. And all, like all these rocks are floating everywhere, and everyone realizes what she can do. And it's like that was just a beautiful moment for me. And I also like the ice dogs; they were cool. Oh, they were cool too. Yeah, oh, they were so cute. They were the ice dogs. Um, 
the, the, the moment we mentioned before, but the moment between Leia and Luke, you know, obviously is very precious. Um, and also like when Kylo comes into the bunker and picks up his dad's dice and they disappear. I think that was a nice touch. Uh-huh. So, um, but there were many great movie moments in this movie and I'm just touching on a few of them. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, do we want to talk about, uh, what things that maybe bothered us a little bit or we can dialogue about some of that? Well, can I say what character moment I thought was very interesting? Go ahead. Bring it. Um, Am had alluded to it with the Kylo Ray dynamic, um, and how they were able to commu- commune, see see each other. The last scene, um, when uh, Ray is getting the, the the rebels onto the Falcon, um, he's in the cave someplace, but he sees her. She sees him. They're like looking at each other. And she like presses the button for the ramp to go up. It there was a symbolism there, like she was cutting off contact with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was a, she was trying to see if trying to save him during the movie. But one one time she hates him and just wants him dead. But uh, but then she's she sees he's conflicted. Maybe maybe there's a way to reach him. But after what she's been through, I just saw I just saw that as she wasn't just literally closing the door she was you know figuratively as well uh with uh with kylo i i did love the return of the jedi moment that she had with kylo when they're in the elevator and she oh yeah and she says to him you know i could feel the good within you i mean that's right from jedi Mm -hmm. it was wonderful right again a little piece of nostalgia yeah when there were those moments, there were those moments in that movie that kept this grounded for me, saying, okay, this is Star Wars. And there were these little, you know, just these little moments as you went through, they said, oh, this is Star Wars. This is Star Wars. This was the funniest Star Wars I've ever seen. Oh, I agree. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so I've got something that's a love-hate thing. Okay, go ahead. Okay. I have a love-hate relationship with all of the new ships and stuff I love them because they look cool and they they act cool but I hate them because they feel like a PR company is just like oh you're like AT-ATs well how about these ATM6s they're twice the size you know (laughs) is everything's just bigger and blacker and I feel like you know when they made the original movies things weren't black so that you could see them Right, which was awesome. You got to see these giant ships in space, like they were identifiable by their shape. You could see all the little details on them. And then you've got Snoke's ship that barely fits on screen, plus it's black, so you can barely see it. You've got the dreadnoughts that look awesome, but you never see the whole ship. And it's all black, so you can barely see the details on it. It's like, why did everything have to be so black? Or why couldn't they show the whole things on screen? Like, now I gotta go look at the toys and, and I, I'm pretty sure that's probably what they planned but I, you know because I thought it was cool to see the AT-ATs walking right next to the AT I think the AT-M6s or whatever they're called the new ones and how like that made them look so much more devastating because at first I thought oh there's one really far in the background and then I realized oh that's just a regular AT-AT walking right next to it so I thought that was pretty cool 
So anyway, I have, I have a, a, a love-hate relationship with these things. Oh, okay. I want, I want them, but I want to see them too. Right. <laughs> they didn't bother. The ships didn't bother me too much. I enjoyed the moments when they were in the hangar and they were when um, Finn and Rose are about to get annihilated by Brienne of Tarth. Mm-hmm. And you look up in the background and there are all the ATATs, the ATNT, like all of them up in storage and ready to be launched. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that was satisfying for me to see, but it 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 felt like it like it should. Like, I should be able to see that. And I love that that was something that someone sat down, designed, and made sure that I could see it. Right. To go along with that, the, when Finn's fighting her, and you've got BB-8 on the uh, ATST in the background just shooting things, made it, made the scene seem so much bigger. Like, mm. like oh, how, so much more depth to the room. And right. I, I love that scene, because he's out of focus, and it's kind of like, I don't know, it just it just worked for me really well. Right. Speaking of BB-8, this was a breakout movie for my favorite little robot. <laughs> totally kicked, you know what, in this movie. Oh yeah, it was yeah. awesome. I kind of fell in love with BB-8. I can't, I, I, I can't lie. I want like more BB-8 in the future, even though I think his, I mean, his name's like BB-89 or something. But so, Dave, you weren't here when we were talking about Christmas. My nephews gave me the BB-8 Lego set. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I have the purse, I have a wallet, <laughs> I have the robot on my desk. I love that little critter. That's so cool. Yeah. Someone gave me a porg at work. One of the pop porgs. <laughs> those <laughs> porgs. are so funny. <laughs> I love those. You know, talk about comedy moments. Porgs were comedy gold. Yeah. Uh, especially, oh. like, Chewie's there trying just to have, like, some lunch, right? And the porgs, <laughs> like, staring at him with Bambi eyes, saying, you <laughs> <laughs> I love that you took some with him. Yeah, I, I love the fact. Well, I thought made... that scene was it was funny, but it was also maybe just a little bit gruesome. I mean, um, <laughs> they're trying to sort of market these these porgs as these these cute little creatures from from Star Wars. But they're tasty. <laughs> and it, and, but then you see Chewbacca roast, you know, just finished roasting one over a fire, about ready to eat these porgs' uh, relative. I mean, it was just. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how I feel about that. It just. Um, it's no creepier I, I than. I guess they're trying for humor. It's no creepier than the uh, cannibalistic Ewoks. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Did you hear why they created the porgs? <laughs> no. So they they created the porgs because on that island it's infested with puffins, and they they couldn't clear the puffins off set like it was too much work, so they created the porgs to digitally put on top of the puffins on the set, oh. so that they would they could just leave them go and not have to disrupt them. Yeah, they're cute creatures. Oh, they're yeah. I think they're, they're great. great. I well, then the mascot one that ended up in the ship with them, um, with, oh. with Chewie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was awesome too. That was really sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, this is a small, a small thing. Uh, did, did, it, did it bother anyone? How or and maybe do we believe? Kylo when he tells Rey that she's nothing but the daughter of junk dealers. I don't care. Do do we believe do we believe Kylo? And does it does I don't believe him. She said she saw them too and she knew. She knew that they were no ones. Yeah. 
I'm that fine with it. Feeds into the whole, like anyone can be a Jedi. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not fine with it. <laughs> so here, here. Are you saying, Captain Elitist, that only certain people can become Jedi's? No, I'm saying that the entire nine movies are the story of the Skywalker family, right? And and it's really it's been from father to son, and yes, Leia, but Leia never was really a Jedi. I mean, she never was really a Jedi. <laughs> Until she flew through space. Yeah, well, Let's that's another that. that's another scene that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Um, but the uh, and and then you have Kylo, who's kind of heir successor to that, I guess, uh, through Leia. But I'm still I'm still not convinced that Rey is not a descendant of the Skywalker line, because the story of all nine movies really have been about the Skywalkers. The first six were. And um, if this is the final trilogy following that has any of the other characters and they're laying to rest the Skywalker line after this, which is what I heard earlier on, then it makes sense that she is a Skywalker in some way. Why can't it be about Kylo? It's not. It can't be about Kylo. Why? Because he's he's a whiny biatch. So. (laughs) So. And I just... And he I was just, less whiny in this film. Uh, he was, I feel like he was less whiny. He was more just... He wasn't all like, I'm going to beat crap up with my saber of laser. It was more like, I feel like crap and I'm going to make everybody else feel like crap. Yeah, well, it's just uh, half a dozen of the same. But, um, <laughs> I liked the scenes with him, him and Ray, but the other stuff with yeah. him. Yeah, it's just whatever. So, um, But this is my... So like the whole thing with like him telling Ray this... There's also stuff in the vision that she had at uh, when she first touches a lightsaber in The Force Awakens that we haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. So we haven't seen all of that come to fruition either yet. We saw some of that happen in this movie, but not all of it. So he, here, here's the problem, right? And you can you can read up on this because it's it's pretty interesting. Disney owns Lucasfilms, right? And they're doing right. the Star Wars thing, and they own Marvel. And they're doing the Marvel thing. Well, the Marvel movies have a 22-movie arc that's very, very strict and overseen. Every little detail is taken care of. They did not do that with the Star Wars movies. And that is the problem. The uh, Force Awakens was being filmed while Rain Johnson was writing this movie. And he didn't have the time to know they didn't have an over arc that had to be followed so all the like build up and suspense that jj abrams made at the end he just said hey look i I left these things open for you and rain johnson's like i didn't have plans to put them in my movie so what like i was going to kill snoke i have no plans to put him in there he's and you know so then people want to know who ray's parents are i'm just going to throw that away because i have no plans to show why i want to know who snoke is right so i don't i don't you know you know where where'd he come from you know (laughs) So that's what I'm saying. These they didn't have a plan. So JJ did his own thing. Rain Johnson did his own thing, and then they're like, "Well, we got to make them match." But I didn't have a plan for this stuff that you left up. So this is my this is my simplified answer without deviating from what I wanted to do. So 
you know, Ray's parents, I fully believe that they're no one because I don't think Ray, I don't think Rain Johnson had any idea to, what to do with him. He didn't know that was going to yeah, be a Yeah, but JJ's going to bring it full circle when he does that. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's what, one of the things I think it'll be good JJ's back and he, he can finish up some of the stuff he started. But but I think that's a problem with a lot of the stuff in the movie not matching because they're just, I am 110% for Rain Johnson's trilogy where he does everything because I think he's a good filmmaker overall. It just. When he's handed an open-ended thing where he doesn't know where he's going, I think it just didn't work. But so I, that's I think a lot of the problems come from that that fact. Yeah, that's why those answers aren't there. Yeah, well, I was a little bit upset. I was talking to Dave Sellers, one of our listeners uh, of the show today, and he goes, "Ask M what Ray's metachlorine count was." <laughs> Tell him that guy. Who who asked you this? Dave Sellers. He's written into the show. He's talked. We talk about him every so often. Dave Sellers of wherever you are, you were dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> we're done. <laughs> Dunzo. Chlorian count. I'll meta chlorian you in a minute. <laughs> I I was actually kind of holding out and hoping for some uh, because curmudgeon curmudgeon Luke. I was waiting. Waiting for him to make some comment about like the stupidity of it, of it, or just a reference to it's not like it's within us all. It's not like it's some sort of infection that you figure out that you have. <laughs> oh. Or I was waiting for a smart aleck remark because oh, yeah. maybe they wanted to put it in, and they're like, "No, we no. need to be nice to Lucas still yeah. a little bit." Yeah. Well, I was waiting for him to say like, "Ray, I am your father." <laughs> Uh, that was the moment. So sad. That was the moment. That was the moment. That was that was the moment. And she didn't lose any limbs. I'm pr- I'm a, I'm a problem with it. She needs to lose a limb. No oh, brother. Look, if they were going to subvert expectations, there should have been some turning in this movie. They they missed prime opportunity. I would have loved to have seen Ray and Kylo evil together. Like if she would have taken him up, I would have loved to have seen a momentous switch. Where then it would have really been the true Skywalker story because Kylo would have gone light while Rey went went dark, and they kind of like kind of swing past each other, and in the in the attempt to both turn each other, they both kind of swing sides. I think they could have done like so a much. Freaky Friday that. moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freaky, a Freaky Friday moment. I think there's they they had so many opportunities to do these this like unprecedented thing and kind of make it more than it was, and and, and they missed it, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we got to see Kylo without a shirt on. So, <laughs> have any of you watched Girls? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, watched what? Girls. Oh, from Adam Driver's in it. Yeah, it's one of those shows that's like it upsets you that you like it because <laughs> it's not. I'm, it's, I didn't catch the title of the show. I'm uh, sorry. It's Girls. Girls. Oh, oh, yeah, no, yeah. I can't. Yeah. I just, I know he's in it. I'm, I just can't. I'm upset that you like it. Dave. He just never has his, never has a shirt on an entire show. So like, he didn't. I wasn't surprised to see him without a shirt. I was like, oh, okay, that's Adam Driver. I'm familiar with. Him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's talk about. We see in this movie two different, two new force abilities. We see, well, not really new. They're hinted at before, and certainly in the expanded universe. But the fact that they're able to see and sense each other over this distance. Mm -hmm. And then we also see Luke able to force project himself into a setting that he obviously becomes very aware of everything and people can see him. 
and we really haven't seen those sorts of force abilities, at least in the movies. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts about this, Miles uh, M? Do you have any thoughts? I thought it's good use, or let, let me say, good um, maybe expanding the, the abilities of the Force. Um, there was a scene when uh, Ray and uh, Kylo are communing, and when it stops, Kylo looks and there's water dripping out of his hand. Well, that's because you know Ray was outside. I think it was when it was raining outside or something maybe and so um so it it's also this quirky matter transference also i thought luke force projecting himself to that planet and confronting kylo i thought that was pretty badass yeah that that confrontation was cool especially the matrix moment Uh, what other? Uh, I, I know we talked about Snoke. Um, Snoke dying just seemed a bit abrupt, and I was also a bit disappointed when I saw Snoke. I was we, hoping they would do it like the where we'd see him in the third movie. Yes, exactly. Like and the Emperor. Like and like we would see him maybe in like ghost form, like we saw him in the first movie. And I was like, you know, we could have held off, right? Yeah, and we didn't. And but so since that, they did it, it. it Interesting thing that that has been explored with the Sith, as far as the Apprentice, the way the the, the way the Apprentice excels or um, kill his master. Master, yeah. And so, um, uh, Kylo accomplished that. I think it was sort of alluded to with with the Vader ship, but never happened. And this time, we see it actually happen. Yeah, Luke kills his apprentice, and I think he was happy to do so because uh, Snoke was giving him a lot of crap throughout this movie. Oh yeah. Wait, mm-hmm. Vader, Vader killed, Vader killed his teacher. Right. He did at the end, but to save Luke. Right. Right. He did. Um, it, it's just, but so maybe he did fulfill that, that Sith uh, thing, but but differently. It, but in this in this time we see actually. Um. Kylo actually kind of fulfilling of that that that, that Sith uh, thing is is Snoke dead? Ah, uh, that that, that question has been raised. But here's why, right? So two theories on this. First of all, we saw Darth Maul get kind of the same treatment. He came back <laughs> in the Clone Wars series and Rebels. He's in both. Uh, granted, it's animated, so you know you can just see him in the third movie. JJ sits down with Luke and say, you know. Snoke shouldn't have died. Luke is like, give him mechanical spidery legs and we'll bring him back. Um, you know, so like, there's that possibility. But then also, Kylo's ascension to Supreme Leader happens very quickly. And is it possible that what we have is kind of a a manifestation of, of, of Snoke or maybe a um, possession of Snoke inside Kylo. Well, so his he like he becomes supreme leader because he's the one who's he's the last man standing. Mm-hmm. So it was he's supreme leader to me. I be due to happenstance. He just happened to be the dude who killed the other dude, and every the only one who's left alive in the room. 
So And he woke up just in time before Hawks could shoot him. Right. <laughs> right. Right. I I don't know if cuz he was dead a while before um Kylo got all like knocked out because of this the exploding um saber. Yeah. I don't really see the possession thing. I think you're just we're just seeing Kylo go further down the dark rabbit hole, so to right. speak. Well, I guess you could argue that Snoke's not real Sith either. Yeah, well, that's why he's the a knight. Kylo's the knight of Ren, leader of the Knights of Ren. Maybe we'll see them in the next movie, like he gets them back together or something. Getting the band unless, back unless they were the guys that he killed in that room. That was a theory. Yeah. That the guards were the other knights. Who his cohorts were who left with him. Right. Are you saying that the kids who left the temple with him. True. Look, I was wondering if they became uh Snoke's bodyguards. Yeah, it's that's a theory that the bodyguards, the Praetorian guards, is that what they call them? I can't remember. Yeah. Were okay. the other knights of Rome. Yeah. Those ninja guards were amazing. They looking. were. They're, they're pretty cool. Yeah, like they were their, cool. <laughs> I like their weapons a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you see weapons that, that actually can Whoever designed it went to a lot of conventions and <laughs> saw, like, the Darth Vader ninja and all the, the Japanese war, uh, um, warrior styles that, it to me, it totally read, it read like, it looked like fandom designed because there is the fandom out there that that have done that with their, those costumes mm-hmm. yeah yeah so anyways there's that's a that's a discussion of snoke here <laughs> i i would I'm, I'm not upset with the way that they killed him I, that just could have happened later well no and i think that's what I i'm agree. said yeah you know, third I movie let's put it in the third movie yeah yeah, uh, the other, the other, the other person that died in this movie, Phas- what Phasma is that her name? Yeah, did she die? Well, we don't see her body. Yeah, we don't see her body, right? Yeah. But but still, I feel like they brought her back. She falls in this this pit of fire. Yeah, I don't know if she's dead. Well, you know, you know, they'll, they'll just consult Lucas and say, "I'll oh, put mechanical legs on him and bring him Yeah. <laughs> She could have like a mechanical arm, and that's why she's all chrome and grabbed onto something, and that saved her. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like when you see Gandalf fall with the Balrog, and you assume that he's toast, and then you realize, oh, well, maybe he's not toast, right? Mm -hmm. It could be like something like that. I don't. I don't. I don't really necessarily think her character is worth keeping around. I, I think she was cooler dying in the first movie. So, I don't, it's like, why did they bring her back? And I, I, I mean, I know he didn't know he died. She died when he wrote her in the movie, which is the problem. But it's, uh, I don't know, they don't need to keep bringing her back. Unless they should, unless she turns out to be like a clone or something, and they just keep like cloning her, then I'm cool with that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what we didn't talk about is we didn't talk about the gambling planet. Mm. Uh, episode one. What? Also whelmed. Yeah, whelmed. But uh, I did like the fact that this is a planet that, and you know the you know the Empire has them, or you know society has them that they just sell to the highest bidder. Rebels, Empire, they don't care. They're just selling, right? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so, oh, well, arms dealers? Yeah, the arms dealers. So it's just as good as the other. And so they're outside, but also they're the people that are kind of oppressing everyone. And so I did like that. I did like that aspect. And it's also on that planet that we see the future of the rebellion. So I think the thing with the children might be that's what we, I mean, that, that does not seem provided is the spirit of the rebellion kind of spread to those children. Well, we have the collector on that planet who ends up being a hacker. Yeah. But. Yeah. You know, Mark Hamill played the little guy that puts the coins into BB-8. He voiced him, yeah. He did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome. That was great. He's like slot machine. <laughs> <laughs> There were a lot of really neat little mini cameos in there that um, that I went and read up on. I did see, I, I saw James Corden immediately. Like, he's unmistakable. So when I, he was one of the, the rebel dudes. And then after I read about Edgar Wright and his brother being in it, um, I paid more attention to the scene with Poe. Um, like, they're in the background behind Poe. So that made me giggle. Justin, Thore- a whole bunch of people... There were a ton of people in that casino scene that were all cameos, and they were either they voiced it or they were there with just a lot of makeup. Mm. Yeah, I know there. I'm sure there were other cameos that we uh, we missed as we there's, went. So there's rumor that two of the stormtroopers were Prince Harry and Prince William. I did and hear that. That would have been really cool. Is that true? I heard. I mean, I heard they, they did it. Whether or not it's in the movie. Okay. Is the part that I think is is mm. up in the air. Right. That's awesome. That is awesome. That is awesome. Um Yeah. Well anything else, anything good or bad that we need a dialogue about in this movie? We do have one we do have one listener feedback that we want to get to. Um Uh but- just um uh, one of my relatives uh Christmas about the the new Star Wars movies, and although he he, he liked and uh, the Force Unleashed, this is an observation he had, and I think I agree with it. Um, the original trilogy, the planets themselves were almost characters in the movie, and the planets in these movies, although interesting, they just don't have the same. Um, uh, I don't know what the right word. I would put in the word verisimilitude, the same, so the same in, sort in, of in reality. Were. I mean, I mean, t- you have ta- uh, Tatooine. You have, I mean, you have the whole Moss Eisley, which is a character itself. Yeah. Uh, so, it's it's it's, just, it's a minor criticism, but it's an observation. I, I think I agree with. No, I I would agree with that. I do too. Yeah. Hey, we need to talk. Em, you brought up Leia. Let's talk about uh, force wielding Leia in this movie. Oh boy. I I I was prepared to lose Leia. I yeah. was prepared to have those tears. When that happened, I was like this is it. This is how she dies. Mm-hmm. Right. I was already like I was in tears as soon as she closed her eyes. I knew and I the tears started falling. And then they focused on her body and I thought this is so cruel. And then she's. Then I thought, oh Lord, have mercy! She's using the force. All right, it's. I'm, it makes sense. She would have learned how to use some of it, but just like that, I'm gonna force fly through the space and live. <laughs> was just a little. Yeah. I wasn't. Ex- it felt cheesy. 
Well, and it did. It and she doesn't really play. I mean, okay. Granted, because of that, we get our moment between her and Luke, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So that was a beautiful moment, and you get her kind of in command of the bunker that they're kind of in. But, yeah. but I don't know. I yeah, I, I hear that. I mean, Dave Miles, anything? Uh, it bugs me, but I'm okay with it. Honestly, I, I think that there were like notions or something in the expanded universe that she has, like uh, because she's not trained, it's instinctive force abilities, or she doesn't. Like, so they're kind of playing with that instinctive yeah, force abilities. Yeah. I'm okay with it. I, I think it's kind of dumb, but it would have been a great uh, a great way to, to see her out. Right. I think when they filmed it and put it together, she was still alive. So right. Yeah. I don't necessarily celebrate it. However, the scene before where the bridge gets hit and everybody gets sucked into spig is very dramatic and, and you know, uh, scary. Uh, and, and you think, oh my gosh, that's how they killed, uh, you know, General Leia. Uh, but the movie, it's only, we're only one third into the movie. And so it's got to be more, you know, it, it, was, it was the only way bring Leia back to the ship and I guess this is the only time we ever, with the exception of her be able to because the only time we've ever seen her have any kind of force abilities Yeah, would have been better if Admiral Akbar would have used the force to bring them both in (laughs) (laughs) Uh, right. well any other comments before we move on to uh, James Husband's uh, email here is Akbar dead? He was on the he was on the bridge, got pulled out. Was that Leia. him? Yeah, he's okay. dead. Yeah, yeah, they said all the leaders. Go ahead, Miles. I think he dropped out okay. when that when that bridge was. Can yeah. you can you repeat what you just said, Miles? Because you dropped out. The, the, there's a line in the movie about when the bridge the bridge crew is taken out and a lot of the leadership of the resistance is. Uh, you know, been been killed off, and and they're this 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 vice admiral played by Laura Dern. Okay, all right, very cool. All right, well, hey, why don't we move into we do we do have one uh, email that was sent in, and uh, do we want to split up how we read this, Miles M? All right, I know Miles, you aren't in, but oh, there you are. Uh, M, do you want to? I'll start it. And do you want to? M, do you want to read, um, the good and the bad? And Miles, do you want to read the beautiful and in closing? Is that cool? Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, so I'll get to start out. So this is, uh, James is from uh, Hawaii. Oh, cool. So right, yeah. So he says, uh, Aloha, uh, Scott, Miles, and M. And we're gonna add David in there. I was attempting to keep this email short. And succinct, but I may fail. I enjoyed your last show and thought about writing in, but I wanted to wait till I saw The Last Jedi to share my thoughts with my favorite podcast. I went Thursday night for a fan appreciation event and got some cool stuff. The opening monologue by uh, Rian Johnson was a nice touch, and uh, a short documentary about John Williams was poetic. Now for the review. I'll try to keep this spoiler-free as possible, but it might be difficult. 
Uh, we didn't do that in this show, so it doesn't matter. Um, I remember leaving the theater full of emotion about the incredible ending and the impression that I just saw the best Star Wars movie since The Empire Strikes Back. However, once I got home, my darned analytical mind went to work. The opening battle scene served as a delicious appetizer for the rest of the film. If anything, it showed that Poe Dameron was the best X-Wing pilot of them all. Sorry, Wedge. From this point on, the movie felt like a condensed version of the modern Battlestar Galactica with last remnants of the Resistance fighting off the superior First Order. Luke Skywalker returned. It was so poignantly wonderful to see Mark Hamill reprise his role. He was born to play. Much like William Shatner's Captain Kirk, Luke was my childhood hero. But damn, he was up but damn, he was so despondent and bitter, like a hero of bygone ages who was becoming al- alcoholic. He was given up on the Force and the galactic events because he failed Ben Solo. After t- a touching scene in which I had to check my tears, R2 reminds Luke of the past. He finally agrees to show Ray some basic lessons. Sorry, Sci-Fi Diner, I just realized I could write a whole essay about this movie, so let me just be highlighting the good and the bad. Before we go on, Okay. Uh, we did not talk about the R2 scene, but that was beautiful. I did like that scene. Oh, yeah. that was... Yeah. When they bring back that from the first movie, that was just great. <laughs> and, and his comment, R2, that was cheap. That was a cheap yeah. shot. <laughs> cheap shot. Yeah. So that was great, great, great. Um, and is Poe better than Wedge? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Very good. Uh, go ahead. Why don't you get us into the uh, good? There goes the discussion. There yes, goes the yes, that's complete. It. Move on. All right. Okay. The good, the force skyping between Ray and Kylo was inventive, hilarious, and a bit intrusive. I agree. Yeah. Star Wars humor. Ryan Johnson has a great sense of humor. Poe's cell phone dead zone distraction with General Hux, Chewbacca eating porgs, and BB-8's Dutch boy routine. With the X Wings weapon systems, just to name a few. Oh, that number was three. Fun. That was really funny. <laughs> You're like, and number. I know. Number three, Admiral Holdo's sacrifice, an awesome Star Wars first. Is it the first? Um, I guess it is. Everybody else usually runs away. She yeah. ran toward. Yep. And then number four, here we go. Snoke's throne room battle scene, one of the best in Star Wars history. The whole theater erupted in applause. Number five, Kylo Ren. I felt Adam Driver was miscast, but he proved me wrong in The Last Jedi. He brought an anti-hero complexity to Kylo, but ultimately proved he's the Darth Vader of the millennial generation. Ooh, I like the way you said that. I like that too. And then number six, Ryan Johnson skillfully avoided fan theories. Ray's parents, Sith misdirection. Okay, say Sith misdirection five times back. Uh, Sith misdirection. (laughs) Who's Snoke? Who cares? Gray Jedi pulled the strings. Luke to the dark side? He's too graceful for that. And then we have the bad. So before we get to the bad, any, any comments on the good by anyone else here? Dave? Miles? I thought agree number six um, was good, but yeah, okay. I, 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 yeah. I mean, Dave, Dave already alluded to this that there seems to be a disconnect between J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams and, and uh, uh, Ray, Ray Johnson's um, 
scripts. Um, yeah, it's there. There's no way to deny it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, the bad. The bad. One, Finn's misadventures in Canto Bite. Totally unnecessary. I concur. Number two, Benicio Del Toro was a wasted opportunity. One of the best actors currently working. I was so excited with his casting for one reason. I really thought he was playing Boba Fett. In my opinion, Ryan Johnson missed a huge opportunity to please Star Wars fans. Who better to play the galaxy's deadliest bounty hunter? I agree. Truth. Number three, Leia's near-death experience. Preach, my friend. The kid inside thought it was great. The adult thought it was kind of hokey. I read an article that called that scene Mary Poppins in space. (laughs) (laughs) Also like that description. (laughs) Number four, Captain Phasma was not redeemed. This reminded me of Lucas's treatment of Jango Fett. He miscast Tamura Morrison, whom I thought would have made a better Count Dooku. Gwendolyn Christie was a brilliant casting, but was not given a proper showcase. Mm. I agree, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. They, wasted, they wasted what could have been a good, powerful female character. No, no, I agree. I agree. Okay, how about uh, any comments on that? Anything else about the bad week? We're kind of in agreement with most of that. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Boba Fett. I would have liked to see him play Boba Fett. I had not heard that theory before. I think that would have been cool. That would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah. How about the beautiful Miles? Okay, the beautiful. The Luke and Leah scene was so sublime and heartbreaking. Once again, I held back the tears. Two, I mentioned the scene with Luke and R2-D2. Three, Yoda's Force Ghost. I'm glad it was the Yoda from the original trilogy. A part of me wished it was Anakin Skywalker, but Yoda was wonderful. I'm glad it wasn't Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> uh, Luke's death. It hit me so hard that afterwards I walked around in the days. You have to understand that I'm 44 years old, which means I was four when Star Wars first premiered. Luke has been my hero for most of my life. Most of the kids in my beloved, my father loved Han Solo, but Luke was always my favorite, and Mark Hamill was born to play him. In closing... I just wanted to write that I had my doubts about Rain Johnson. I read some negative reviews that said that Johnson made a worse movie than any of the prequels, which is absolutely absurd. If memory serves correctly, many people thought uh, Irving Kirshner's sunk the franchise. Well, it's no secret that The Empire Strikes Back is widely considered the greatest of all Star, Star Wars movies. Rain Johnson has boosted the trilogy in a bold new direction. The Skywalker family saga may be over, but Johnson has honored it. J.J. Abrams is the right director for the third and final installment of this trilogy because he understands Star Wars as righteously as anyone. But Rain Johnson made, made just uh, made the best one. Mahalo, Sci-Fi Diner, and may the Force be with you. James Husband from Honolulu, Hawaii. Mahalo. Yeah. So what do you uh, what do you think about his beautiful and his uh, final thoughts here? Well, yeah, I just I'm in agreement with 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 a lot of it. I mean. Um, the Luke and Leia scene, it just felt very familial. And, you know, the whole line where she's, I know what you're thinking, yes, I did change my hair. And he says, it looks nice. And, uh, you know, just, it was, it was just, a, just a really nice exchange between them two before he has to go out and confront uh, Kylo. Right. Mm. Right. Um, I, I just, I just don't know that I would agree that he's made the greatest Star Wars movie. Um, and yeah, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> and, and, and he, uh, 
It's funny. Uh, he mentions that some people thought it was worse than the prequels, which was a comment that you made almost. Yeah, but but I want to I, I want to back that up and say that it was my first impression. Right, right. I, I do like the movie now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of of the people I know who who had seen it, and then a a bunch of us from the office. I it ended up a whole bunch of us from the office went to see it together. Um, there were three guys who had all three of them said they didn't like it at all. And I said, well, it's a free ticket. You can go see it again. And then the three of us had a nice discussion um, like two days later about it that it upon the second viewing, it, it, they, they saw a little bit more of the film. So I'm wondering, Dave, for you, was it the second viewing? How many times have you seen it? I've seen it twice. Yeah. Okay. Did the second... Was the second viewing, would you call it illuminating or would you call it just kind of justifying? Uh, or clarifying? Well, I didn't feel like I had missed anything, but I was able to enjoy more of the moments rather than, I don't know, maybe I was trying to just like take in and analyze things too quickly in the first mm -hmm. view. And I stand by a lot of my a lot of my uh, criticism, but at the same time, I didn't. I was able to enjoy it more as a movie, the the second time around. And I'm sure this is going to be one of those situations where the more that I see it, the more I wind up enjoying it until right. until it feels like like a good movie to me. Yeah, like I don't a, know that I would put it on par with The Empire, though. No, I no, think no, that, no. I think that I think that this comparison is it's. I don't know. I like, maybe maybe we'd have to wait to see the third movie to make that real judgment call. Mm -hmm. But yeah, all that said, I I still don't really feel compelled to know what happens to the characters at the end. I feel like he didn't really write a very good cliffhanger. Like this could have been, if we would have had like a six year wait, like this would have been a good ending for six years of, of a dry spell or something right like it, it, it's it's technically a cliffhanger but it's not like i gotta know what happens like uh. like like the force awakens her handing the the lightsaber to him it's like i need to know what happens next yeah. um but but i, I yeah eye opening i don't know justification's the right word but um it ran through me at a much smoother acceptable rate and and i was able to take more in One of your thoughts about his email? Nope. Well, James, thank you so much. Go ahead. Oh, uh, Miles, did you want to say something? I just just to say he he brought up some points that we 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 didn't get a chance to. So, yeah. James, thanks for that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for writing in and sharing us sharing with us your thoughts. Uh, we do got to get his photo to him. I haven't sent his photo to him. He had a photo that he got because he's a Patreon supporter. So. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up and get out of the show here? Um, I I really enjoyed Star Wars: uh, The Last Jedi. Um, it, it definitely deserved its place with the Star Wars movies. Yeah. Em, any final thoughts from you? Em. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking to Dave. No. Um. This is this is this is a very satisfying film for me, yeah. and I already pre-ordered my uh, digital copy. 
I yeah. actually pre-ordered it that Thursday that I went to see it. Because nice. I saw it as a double feature with episode seven. To, so to see them back to back was absolutely delicious. Yeah, and that's right. You did do that. Yeah. So good. I wish I would have done that. I think I think maybe I would have enjoyed it a lot more the first time. Right. Had I done that. Yeah, well, they always, they always piggyback right off of each other mm-hmm. right, as far as the way they start. But Yeah, well, I enjoyed it, and I would definitely recommend seeing it if you haven't. And, of course, if you're listening to this podcast and you're hearing me say this now, we totally spoiled it for you. But maybe you're a person that doesn't care about spoilers, and that's all right. But, well, I think that's about it. Um, thank you so much for joining us in our Star Wars, the uh, Last Jedi review. Thanks. Yeah. You don't know if you're talking to me, but you're yeah, looking at me. I'm looking at you. <laughs> I thank you, Dave, for joining us in there, too. Hey, I just want to say that if you want to put a picture of me as a reward for your Patreon supporters, like, that's, I'll, <laughs> there, there, there you I'll sign them. You'll sign I'm, them? I'm not above it. All right, all right. It's going to have, like, Hey Girl on it? Yeah, it's the yeah. Hey Girl. well thank you though so so much for joining us to talk about it and uh, it was great chatting m and miles it was great chatting with you too it was good to talk to you guys again yeah yeah let's go ahead go ahead and why don't we go ahead and wrap up the show all right till next time good night and good luck we'll see ya do your dailies all right Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? There's something about this boy. There's so many. Do they all have a system of planets? Most of them. Has anyone been to them all? Hmm. Not likely. I want to be the first one to see them all. I don't want things to change. But you can't stop the change. Any more than you can stop the suns from setting. I ever see you again? What does it hurt to tell you? I hope so. Yes. We'll see each other again. I wasn't strong enough to save you, Mom. I will come back and free you, Mom. I promise. I wasn't strong enough. But I promise. I won't fail again. Promise me you will train the boy. Yes, Master. He is the chosen one. and looked out for them until the end. You are strong and wise, Anakin, and I am very proud of you. 
I have trained you since you were a small boy, and you have become a far greater Jedi than I could ever hope to be. I'm sorry, Master, but I'm not coming back. She made the decision, Anakin. What choice did we give her? The moment there were any suspicions about her loyalty, the Council turned their back on her. You and your precious Jedi Order. You've lied to me. How many other lies have I been told by the Council? They don't trust you, I don't trust you. Ever since I've known you, you've been searching for a life greater than that of an ordinary Jedi. A life of significance, of conscience. I know what's been troubling you. It was only a dream. I won't let this one become real. Listen to me. Don't continue to be a pawn of the Jedi Council. You're not all powerful. Well, I should be. Only through me can you achieve a power greater than any Jedi. Someday I will be. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. Stay with me, Mom. I... I don't know. I will even learn to stop people from dying. the Jedi way. He must live. I need him. What have I done? You're fulfilling your destiny.
The Emperor hasn't driven it from you fully. Suit your feelings, Father. You can't do this. I feel the conflict within you. Let go of your hate. It is too late for me, son. Then my father is truly dead. <laughs> There's your B-roll. Yep. There's your cold opening. Yep. Classy. Professional. That's what I am. A professional. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Okay. <laughs> hey, if you like what you're... Oh, no. See? I'm one take Garcia. That first take was the best. Okay. If you like what we're serving here at the Sci-Fi Diner, feel free to leave us a tip at patreon.com. Sci- ah! Excuse me. <laughs> One Take Garcia. That's what I was. And then, <laughs> <ugh>. Okay. 